You're listening to Puck and Roll. Welcome back to the Puck and Roll podcast. Today we have an episode filled with talk about trades, call-ups, and prospects. To start us off, let us rewind the clock a couple years. Going back to the season that was cut off by COVID in the first place, the 2019-2020 season, where it was looking like the Habs were a lottery team the entire season, and then ended up not only making the postseason, but qualifying for the playoffs through the play-in round by beating the Pittsburgh Penguins. That was the year of the Lafreniere draft, where all the hype the entire season was that the Montreal Canadiens would have a chance of drafting the hometown boy first overall. Now, (laughs) Alexis Lafreniere is looking like the odd man out, in a sense, in New York, a team that has been on a 9 I believe, or seven game win streak at this point. They have been very good, or nine games at this point. And uh, Lafreniere still has not been getting the top six minutes that everyone would have expected him to get in his third NHL season. The question is would Jeff Gordon want to potentially acquire the player that he drafted first overall, not even three years ago? So I'm going to pass the question on to our panel, and we have a full house today with Joshua Rosa, Aaron Idovich, and Scott Cowan. So, boys, what would you think, firstly, of acquiring Lafreniere? And if we're just spitballing, what would the cost potentially be? I'm, I would be all in on this, because if the, if the team is committing to Suzuki Caulfield being a duo, Lafreniere completes that trio. I think he'd be the perfect line made for them. And he's 20 years old or 21 years old. He's such a good, like he, he's not playing much in New York, but he's a really good player. He's fast. He's strong. He's smart. He's everything you'd want to put. There's a reason he went first overall. Mm-hmm. Cost wise, it's not going to be cheap. I've been putting this in every single cap friendly armchair GM I've been doing lately because I think it would just make a lot of sense. I've had it as two first round picks and Riley Kidney. It's a lot. To, it's a lot to give up, but they, I mean, Riley are, Kidney. We are on the same page with maximizing exactly. value. I, I wouldn't be trading yeah. our first round picks, but say we trade the one that we got from uh, Calgary in the Sean Monahan trade, and one other that we acquire at some point, maybe in another Sean Monahan trade, or or or, or how uh, about a a, a a former first round pick, uh, like what Philip is Meshar, what Philip Meshar, right? Yeah. Like Philip Meshar, I think, would be. An interesting candidate, though I would assume mm-hmm. that the Rangers would prefer to target names like Owen Beck and maybe even Lane Hudson. But Philip Meshar is a recent uh, first-round pick. Uh, would that perhaps complete a trade of the Sean Monaghan? So maybe they want a guy pick? like Justin Barron, or yeah, he's yeah, been really good this year in the AHL. He's been excellent, yeah. and I think if we're talking about. Calgary's 2025 first, which is probably going to be around 20th overall. 
Riley Kidney and Justin Barron, that's that's got to be as close as you get to a no-brainer. But I think leading off from what you said about like uh, Lafreniere, there's a reason one first overall. There's also a reason competitive teams don't draft first overall, and that's kind of what happened Lafreniere. I think is that the Rangers yeah, true. them in more of like a bottom role because they already had a very stacked team and they drafted him, so they didn't really know what to do with him. And I think at the end of the day, he needs to be in a top six role now. And if he gets he's a really good player, has a chance to flourish in a top six role. And I think based on what we've seen from him, he he's played to the point where he definitely deserves it right now. No, absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's just he's played to a point where I feel like he needs to be traded to a true rebuilding team that can actually pair him with other rookies who are also very talented. I think all that Montreal has with Kirby Doc, with Suzuki, with Caulfield, I think it'd just be a perfect fit to kind of complement all those players and make Montreal just a more talented team and a more promising team for the future. Yeah, for sure. Josh, what's what's your call on on a potential left from your trade? Yeah, I think with a player of his caliber and his uh, pedigree that almost nothing's off the table, I would suggest against trading Lane Hudson just because of the way that he's been playing this year that is what I ridiculous that he was a second round pick and first round picks in this year I would stay away from just because of this draft is going to be great other Mm -hmm. than that I'd be happy with almost any other deal like Owen Beck he's a very good player but I don't think he's going to turn into what Lafreniere could become (laughs) and if you're looking at the way that Lafreniere has been playing in New York and his numbers and everything he's playing just over like I think officially eight seconds over 15 minutes per game which is pretty low numbers for what he could do and what he kind of it seems like it's reminded me of in uh is a story from montreal of um that i've heard people talk about that i'm not quite sure i agree with but people were talking about when arturi lekanen left montreal that he kept being forced into this bottom six defensive type role and that changed his game now he's playing in colorado and he has the potential to have his career best year. He has eight goals already this year, and his top is 18 in his uh, rookie season. It's very easy that he could break his goal and point record this year because he's being used in a more offensive role. I think that's something that we could see Lafreniere really excel at if he gets that top six role which he definitely would get in Montreal and I think it would just be a big coming out party hometown reunion and I think it would perfectly if you can get the numbers to work out with all these draft picks and if they want to take on like an Anderson or a Monaghan and if we had to retain salary for all that it would be pretty messy I think if any deals fall through but it's it's very possible. It's very exciting. I think what one of one of the big things with, with Lafreniere and and why the Rangers are are potentially shopping him is is not because uh, he's been poor at even strength. It's it's really been his power play that's that that's been the issue. He's played just about two hundred minutes on the power play in his career, 
and he's totaled zero goals and three assists, only one of which was primary. Oh, so one primary assist, here. one primary assist through 200 minutes of power play time is uh, not great, <laughs> to say the least. Um, again, his expected goal, like, like he has at least, uh, like he has three expected goals at least. So he's, he's, he's definitely undershooting what he should be on the power play, but still like that, that is just not quite excusable for a player with caliber with man advantage. But I, I would need, also, yeah, go ahead. at least he'd fit in with Montreal's power <laughs> play so far. Exactly. <laughs> right, for sure. like he, fit, he fits right in. Um, Has he been but, doing one-on-one lessons with Alex Burroughs this entire time? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but, but on, honestly, I, I'm, I'm with you guys. The Habs yeah. have an, like a wealth in prospect depth. Right. So if the Rangers are asking for, I don't know, the Habs like fifth, sixth, and seventh best prospects, you pull the trigger. Right. Because uh, Alexis Lafreniere may not be what everyone thought he would be a few years ago in terms of a dominant play driving first line winger uh, with, with game breaking offensive skill. But he's, he's going to be in the very short term a very productive top six guy now the the big the big asterisk here is the Habs have to avoid a Jonathan Drouin situation with Lafreniere right this is another hometown kid who would be trade to Montreal at the age of what 21 22 which is around the same age as Drouin and if the Habs organization decides to put all the hopes of this organization on his shoulders which shouldn't be an issue with Nick Suzuki Cole Caulfield uh, Yuri Sapkowski etc but if they frame it that way of here's our next Quebecois savior, there's going to be an issue, right? Because this is a player who is less proven than Dwayne was when the Habs acquired him. Uh, and yeah. despite being a first overall pick, that is, that is, a, that is the weight of, of an entire province behind you, right? And, yeah. and the Habs would have to manage that all very carefully. But I do believe that it could go very, very well. And as long as the Habs don't don't pay uh, a, a Mikhail Sergachev price for him, and I think the way of doing that is giving multiple assets of one tier below that elite tier, and try to give the Rangers some more depth in their system, uh, that could be an interesting avenue, right? So if we were spitballing sp- sp- names earlier, I think a deal of like Philip Meshar, Joshua Roy, and the Habs second round pick this year. Something like, like that, right? Where that second round pick is going to be a very good prospect. Uh, and it gives uh, the Rangers some agency in picking whoever they'd want. And it gives them a player who's been dominating the QMJHL and a player with a high ceiling, right? In Philip Meshar. So I think that type of construction for a deal would be enticing to both sides. Uh, but of course, it would be a very complex deal. And with the roster freeze happening tonight at midnight Eastern, this is something that will be worked on over the holidays if they decide to pursue this. But I, I personally wouldn't be shocked to see that Habs do this, right? This would be Gorton getting his guy, the guy that he picked first overall. And it's an organizational fit. It, it fits the Habs timeline, right? Of, of, of not just the young players, but players in that 21 year old range, right? Like this is, it would also, let, yeah. Yeah. It would also but, let uh, Ken Hughes do exactly what he did with Kirby Doc. And sign yeah, him like a exactly. three, four year bridge deal at a really low amount, and let's see how good it looks. And it gives the Habs a lot of 
it gives it really a lot of oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, sorry. yeah just just last point uh, it gives a lot it has a lot of flexibility as well with uh, with with how they want to draft for the upcoming drafts right because this way you have likely for the future your top two centers set unless you get a Bedard or Fantilli right like you have Kirby Doc and Nick Suzuki you have your first line winger with Cole Caulfield you have Yuri Sofkovsky and Lafreniere who could both still be first liners uh, or worst case scenario are second liners that is five of your top six set, right? Obviously, you want to have nine top six falling players, ideally, right? You want a third line that can be a second line, but it gives a half a ton of flexibility. I was, uh, yeah, but the thing, I wanted to go back to what you said about uh, the French-Canadian players, uh, said with Lafreniere, just because I think it is a really good point you make about sort of how French-Canadian players have been treated, obviously, in Montreal and how their history goes back to, obviously, since the 1970s, the Habs really, or since the 1980s, please, the Habs really haven't had many major big French-Canadian stars or ones that weren't at least eventually driven out of town. So I think it makes a good point that with this new regime and this new management team and these new coaches and everything, I think it'd be a really good test of just the culture of this team and the culture of the city if they bring in a guy like Lafayette and he's finally treated fairly and he finally gets a chance to flourish. And... Honestly, I'd be I'd be hopeful with the timing about of this because if even if he's brought in, the Habs already have a young core set, and he'd be a complement to it rather than the Messiah. Especially if the Habs mm-hmm. win a lottery pick in the offseason and get a Bedard or a Pantilli, right? Oh, but which obviously would would be fantastic and ideal. But either way. When you already have a Cole Caulfield who's scoring at a 45 goal pace, a Nick Suzuki who's at a point of game, a Kirby Doc who is far surpassing all expectations, and uh, Yuri Sofkovsky who's coming into his own, who was just picked first overall, that takes a lot of pressure off of that Bafrenier. Whereas when Dwayne was acquired, the Habs didn't have anything. Like there was no young hope in that organization apart from Dwayne. So it is a very different situation, but it's still a parallel in terms of age and draft status and um, overall, I guess, like identity as a high-end Quebecois player where, look, I, I still adore Jonathan Poy. I, I think he's one of the most underrated players on this team. I think he's he's tremendously skilled when put in the right role, the right line mates, and I'm very happy to finally see him back in the top six right now. But he was never going to be a first line center, but he's not a center. He's a winger and they have tried to develop him as a center and they put all the pressure in the world on him, which was never fair on him. But yeah. So I, I think we can all agree that uh, acquiring Lafreniere would be a very interesting buy low option. And that's really been the hallmark of this uh, new regime has been buying low. Another option for buying low would be, I guess, switching our attention over to Vancouver, right? Where, they are kind of tired by right now. And one of the players that they are shopping is Brock Besser, who is a young sniper who uh, is putting up some god-awful uh, possession numbers this season. Like, his, like he's not driving good offense whatsoever. But this is a young player who scored 30 goals and is on a slightly risky contract, but could also turn into a quite a big boom if, if, develop correctly and put in the right situation so what are your takes on a potential trade for brock besser like would you firstly be interested and what kind of price would the Habs have to pay for him so based on the rumored asking price for besser which so uh when the uh blue jackets traded oliver bjorkstrand they got a third and a fourth 
apparently Besser is going to get less than that. This is a guy that could put up 30 goals. He's 25 years old. The contract, three years, it's uh, six million six fifty. Not amazing, but for a 30-goal guy, that's like not far from the range. And with the right coaching system, if he could turn into a 40-goal guy, we look amazing. So if you're talking about a single third-round pick, or like a third and a seventh, or a fourth and a fifth, I that would, that would be such a coup by uh, management. But they'd have to create the cap space first, right? That would be the big thing. So yeah. Sean thing has, has to go. The thing that the thing that would interest me the most personally is if you pair an acquisition for Brock Besser and buying low with getting an absolute haul for Josh Anderson, for instance, yeah. and you free up the vast majority of that cap space for Brock Besser. They're that's different players. Get me but oh, I think I'm, that I'm Brock, but they're, they're Brock both right, Besser is right an upgrade. Brock Besser is an upgrade over Josh Anderson in my mind. I, I, I don't quite know how I'd feel about it. I think he's a better organizational fit for the Habs. Um, and apparently they tried to acquire a better off. Yeah, but that, that was the old regime, right? Yeah. That was the, that was the Bergevin regime. But <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be interested in, in just, I guess, testing the waters with Josh Anderson, right? And just, just seeing how high we could drive this price up. And firstly, we'd have to act to create the cap space. So either placing Monaghan or Gallagher on LTIR could do it or moving Josh Anderson could do it uh, because ideally you wait to deal Anderson until the deadline, right? Like you wait for that price to grow and grow and grow and grow until there are injuries. At the same time, up. if there's opportunity cost involved and back exactly. there, exactly. You right. To, yeah. You have to wait, you have, you have to wait all the possibilities here, but I, 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 from everything I've heard, it sounds like the New Jersey Devils are are pretty pretty bullish on Josh Anderson uh, to complement their top six, and I, they have a lot of interesting players in their system that I I quite like to go after, um, such as Shane Alexander Stacey. Holtz. You are a Montreal Canadian. I, I I don't know about Holtz uh, about like, whether the Devils would give him up for an Anderson. Seamus Casey though has been exceptional this season. Uh, he's playing with Michigan, which is the best development system in the entire NCAA. Uh, he's another offensive undersized defenseman from the US NTDP last season. I loved him. I love Hudson more. Uh, I believe I ranked uh, Hudson 11th and Casey 16th uh, last year. Um, but similar, uh, they, they have their differences. Like Casey's a better, better overall skater. He's more mobile than Hudson, but he lacks he kind of lacks that that like insane skill factor but he kind of still plays a similar offensive dynamic game uh and would be an awesome addition because he's also a right shot and the Habs need right shots in their system right like no matter the, the play style they need right shot defensemen especially because Martin St. Louis likes having defensemen playing their strong sides uh but yeah lots of names on New Jersey but uh are, are there any other trade targets out there whether it's new jersey or vancouver that could be interesting if we're talking vancouver we could look at another guy that's having a poor start to this season who's much younger than brock besser but may not have that immediate of an impact would be Niels hoglander or hoglander however you pronounce his Last name, I've heard it kind of both ways. 
Um, he's had a pretty bad year this year, three goals, nine points in 25 games. And he kind of seemed to come into the league with a head of steam in his first year and had his best numbers by friend has slowly fallen off that over the past two years. But again, he's got flashy offensive skill that at least interesting enough to take a run at and he's worth far less than Besser contract wise at this point it wouldn't take much moving around like it would to try and pick up a Besser um, but he's definitely interesting enough to be a immediate middle six impact guy that can bring some offense to a second or a third line that's been so terrible for Montreal this year just in the immediate future and he's young yeah. enough that he's just going to get better that... I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Niels Hoaglander uh, I, I, I love his combination of high end motor and really nice soft area skill um, one interesting thing is like yes his production has decreased year on year but so is his ice time his ice time went from 15 and a half minutes as a rookie it's down to 12 minutes a night now right like he He's not getting the same opportunities under Bruce Boudreau that he that he was getting a few years ago. So I think that's also an important factor to keep in mind. Uh, but he is such a fun player, and again, he, he as you were saying, Josh, like he fits this the the, the team's time, timeline perfectly, right? Like this is a what he, he's turning twenty two, uh, what in two days. Uh, so he, he he's he's still 21 years old. He's super young. Same same draft class as uh, as Cole Caulfield and Kirby Doc. Really really interesting player. So if, if the Canucks are open to moving him for like a second round pick or anything comparable to that, I'd be I'd be striking on that immediately. I think uh, just for caution, one there's two defensemen that are like two younger defensemen that I think will be interesting. That is Kellen Addison and Pierre Olivier Joseph, sort of two more offensive kind of younger guys who were drafted in the first round or drafted in the second round in the first round. Technically, kind of just I don't know. It seemed like they they've been playing honestly really well this year and they've been playing well in limited minutes. So I feel like if Montreal threw a couple of picks of them, there'd be interesting prospects to bring in who can maybe flourish and play in a bigger role. I mean, Addison's not moving. Uh, Killen Addison is, is is driving the power play in Minnesota, mm. uh, and he's cheap. And they need uh, like their cap situation's hellish, right? With so, uh, with the Parise and Suter buyouts, like Killen Addison is 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 staying put on his ELC in Minnesota. The Habs would have to overpay to get him, I, I believe personally. So my two, we we've mentioned Jesse Puljujarvi a bunch of times on the podcast. Yes, of course. I, I've had dreams where he's been traded to the Habs. Like, I'm not even, I'm not, also sometimes I daydream in class that like a trade's going to go through. And then the other one is if there's one team I watch almost as much as the Habs because I'm the Dallas Scouts at uh, Dauber, one of Wyatt Johnston's line mates this year is uh, Denis Gurianov. Oh, yeah. Having, I love him. He's having the worst season ever. He, he's on a, something like a 16 point pace for the season. Oh my God! Really? He has five. He has five points in twenty-four. Uh, five his, points in twenty-five games. His tools are so good. Uh, yeah, like I'm, he he doesn't fit in a divorce system at all. He's he, he's looked frankly he's looked bad this year, but I've still seen the flashes that I've seen in him over the years. Where at this point, I think he costs nothing to acquire at two point nine million. Yeah, except for the cap space because Dallas is looking to contend. 
they have a a team he's that's play, he's playing twelve minutes fifty five a night. <laughs> he's not getting... which, frankly, the way he's playing, that's generous. <laughs> okay, he, he's shooting four point nine percent. His career high is fifteen point two, which you'd say that's was unsustainable, is, but he's played sixty four games. Yeah, like he's he's been brutal, but you could probably get him for like the a sixth there. round pick. The skill is like, there. Trade a guy like Yoel Armia at this point for him. That could be interesting. It, I would love to see him because he, he's also just one of my favorites. He's, he had the four goal game in the 2020 playoffs. Like, and he's he's such a likable guy. He's my favorite guy to watch in Dallas, even though he kind of sucks now. And I would just love to see him as Hab. And by the way, if you if you acquire Puliyarvi and uh, Gurianov, you have like the most neglected third line of all time. That could really turn into something. <laughs> That's fair, for sure. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hockey fans, lay the lamp to Swindler DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shots and even bigger payouts. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And next up, there will be a Habs debut tonight. So once this is posted, it will already have happened. But Anthony Richard, the first Richard to put on the Habs uniform since Henri and the second since Maurice. It has been a long time, but there will finally be a Richard back in the Bleu Blanc Rouge. Richard has been decent to start the AHL season, to say the least. Uh, I believe he's, what, top three in points. Uh, he's top three in goals in the entire league. Number one in goals. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, he's been excellent to start the season on a brutal start to the season for the La- for the Laval Rocket. So he is making his debut. The question is, first of all, where he's playing the lineup. We're not quite certain whether he'll be on the third or the fourth line to start. But it's going to be fun to just have some type of novelty in this team because we've not seen a Habs player make his debut since Mike Matheson uh, a couple couple weeks ago, and. Any type of novelty on this team is honestly a welcome surprise. Uh, so to you guys, uh, what are your expectations for Richard and his debut for the Habs? Uh, before we start that, we do know where he's playing. And he is uh, finishing off a wonderful line with Jake Evans and Yuel Armia. Oh, good Lord. Oh, two of my favorites. Um, like my, my body hurts just reading that. I'm expecting... Not that much. I, I'm excited to see him in the NHL. He's had two stints before. He had one in uh, the 2018-19 season and one in the 2019-20 season. One game, he immediately got sent down. I think he had eight minutes of ice time in one, 12 minutes of ice time in the other. 
he's an amazing AHL player, but if people are expecting some sort of spark plug that's going to immediately go into our top six, they're they're expecting the wrong thing. He looked really good in training camp. He's been fantastic in the AHL, but I I'm not convinced he's a top six NHL player. And oh, I, can't I mean, really I think that well in a in an NHL bottom six either. I think anyone expecting him to be a, a, a top six caliber player is, is fooling themselves. Sebastian, so, so were you on Twitter this morning? People were splatting him in with uh, Caulfield and Suzuki. Well, I think that's just because we have no one that fits on that line, right? Like, like Kirby Doc, like, should be developed as a centerman. Like, I've I've never stopped believing that. Yeah, and... his best game of the season as a centerman. So exactly, and uh, for some reason they seem averse to trying Yurisov Kosk in the top line. So why not Richard, I guess, is the question. Like you're playing Arizona. Like this is this is the game where you try wacky stuff like that. But but yeah, I no one should be expecting that. But at the very least, he would bring speed to that line. Like Anthony Richard is nothing if not exceptionally fast. Uh he like my first impression of him was in the intra squad game. Uh, of the Habs back in training camp, where both me and Aaron were in, were at the Bell Center, uh, sitting in separate sections because I yeah, got Sebastian got better tickets. Yeah, uh, but uh, Rashard was just constantly just zooming around. I believe he scored a hat trick or at least two goals in that game. Yeah, uh, but he was ex- like, he was just fast, and I, I was constantly like, I did not know who this man was before the Habs signed him, and now like, I who's do. Number yeah, everyone was asking themselves that question. And he's been so good to start the season with Laval. He's been their primary offensive producer on a team where that probably should fall to a guy like Jesse Alonen. Uh, but yeah, there are a lot of, I guess, possibilities with Richard now called up. Uh, the Habs can get wacky with 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 things with their lineups. But Josh, what are your thoughts on on I guess? the call-up and the possibilities with Richard. Yeah, you just got to temper your expectations. I did, like, he's played two games over two years, and he's had very good minor league numbers, but, like, it's, it's tough. He's a 26-year-old former 100 overall pick, and... He was picked two spots before Dennis Mulgan, who was just uh, part of a blockbuster trade. Um, Truly a blockbuster. (laughs) Dryden Hunt for Dennis Mulgan. I mean, hey, honestly, a more significant trade than the three-way one we saw later. (laughs) Michael Delzato, yeah, remember him. Michael Delzato, Giovanni Smith, and something over Somebody else. O'Regan? Oh, uh, yeah. Kenny O'Regan? Da- something like Danny? that? Is it Danny? I, I, I think it's, it's, it's O something. I think it's O'Regan. Look, his Danny O'Regan's page got more views today than it ever has before. So, I mean, yeah, because everyone's like, who is this dude? <laughs> yeah, Danny O'Regan. Danny O'Regan. Um, how many, how many uh, like lifetime NHL appearances? He's, he's a German-American. With... Hey, German boy. Let's go. A surprising amount of NHL games. What? How many? Six, eight, 27, 30. 30 what? NHL games under his belt. With who? 30 what? NHL games under his belt. San Jose? 
Uh, okay, so San Jose, he's been in the Buffalo system. He's been in the New York system. He's been in the Vegas system. He's been in the Anaheim oh system. He's been everywhere. And he was alternate captain at Boston University in 2015-16, uh, and he put up 44 points. What? Okay, in 2016-17, he had a point-per-game season in the AHL over 63 games. Interesting. Um, what? How are we getting excited about a point of game in the AHL when we're just talking about Anthony Richard and tempering expectations? When he was 22, he put up a point per game in the AHL. That's exciting. Oh, that honestly, is, yeah. That is four years, years younger than Richard that is, right now. That is like Jesse alone in age. We'd, we'd be getting hyped up if Yelonen were going a point of game. So, yeah, that makes sense, actually. I apologize. Uh, but, but, yeah, yeah I so, mean, he's it's Richard's been a blockbuster day for Trips. Yeah. It's going to come in. One other thing I need to mention on him. His dad played in the DEL at 51 years old. Hell yeah, dude. Ooh. Oh, yeah. What That's a legend. Scary. Tom O'Regan. Tom O'Regan. That that kind of speaks to the competitiveness of the German league when a guy other than Jager plays over 50. <laughs> <laughs> One point in 19 games. Legend. Legendary. And I believe on that note, we're going to transition to everyone's favorite segment. This day in Habs history. Josh, you have the mic. On this day, the year of our Lord, 2022, David DeArnay seemingly announced on Twitter that he will retire at the end of this season. This may has come to a surprise to anyone that has been following international hockey, specifically that of the Swiss League, where Deharnay has been playing with HC Freiburg Goderon since leaving the NHL after the 2017-18 season. Ending at just five foot seven, Deharnay was passed up at the NHL draft every year he was eligible, until the Montreal Canadiens gave the Quebec-born player a shot in 2007, signing him to the Cincinnati Cyclones of the ECHL. DeHarnay led the league in scoring that year and was an NHL record by 2010. And that season, he tipped in P.K. Subban's shot past Marc-Andre Fleury for his first NHL goal. DeHarnay's best season came in 2011-2012, where he recorded 16 goals and 60 points in 81 games. However, DeHarnay was traded to the Edmonton Oilers for the younger defender Brandon Brandon Davidson. During his first first professional season in the AHL, Davidson was diagnosed with testicular cancer and underwent chemotherapy, eventually returning to the ho- to hockey cancer free and making it all the way to the NHL. Davidson was later waived by the Canadians less than a year after trading him and was reclaimed by the Edmonton Oilers, essentially trading David Darnay for about two assists per year for ha- two half seasons. Davidson would bounce around the league and is currently under contract with the Cleveland Monsters. Darnay played the remainder of the year in Edmonton and signed with the Rangers in the offseason. After one season in New York, Darnay took his talents overseas after recording 87 goals and 195 assists for 282 points in five, 524 games. A short king indeed. Now, to the other thing that happened on this date in history, 
uh, maybe a little bit bigger. Montreal Canadiens played the Ottawa Senators on December 19th, 1917 in the very first Montreal Canadiens game of all time. And it was jointly the NHL game in history when the Montreal Wanderers played the Toronto Arenas at the same time. And the Wanderers beating us 10 to 9. The Habs were paced by Joe Malone, who scored five of Montreal's seven goals, along with Nuzi Lalonde and Didier Pitre. Malone was the NHL's first offensive dynamo, scoring 44 goals in 22 games and winning the first NHL goal scoring title in league history, all while recording just four assists on the season. Sorry, you know, did I correctly? Uh, as far as I've seen in my research for doing these is that about 90% of goals were unassisted in the early NHL. Um, and of okay. course, there's no video to know if they scored assists. I don't know if they scored, they assigned assists differently, but there are a lot of unassisted goals in early I don't know if they just didn't. Oh, also, because there were no them. there were no forward passes in the ozone before, that's, right? So that's true as well. Yeah, just back passes. One day people were forty-four goals this day. and forty-eight points. <laughs> what? Oh my god! That's that's like the kind of stat line that an NHL be a pro player has. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! 100%. One day, yeah, so one one day people will refer to this day as the uh, Canadians' debut of the greatest Richard in Habs history. Ha ha ha! Uh, we'll see. I also Look, if, he, if he scores three sixty, mm. yeah. We'll see. yeah, I guess it's possible. And but, I, I, uh, I know, I, I know we're a hockey podcast, but did anyone else watch the World Cup final? Yes, I don't yes. like Hell soccer, yeah. and it was the greatest oh, yes. sports event I've ever watched. Right? This is a it soccer ins- podcast now. Yeah, uh, sorry, sorry, guys. If you want Habs or Prospect Talk, uh, this is another podcast. Uh, we are all here. I assume we all were cheering for Argentina. My anthropology teacher told us she'd give Good. us a 5% mark raise if Argentina won. Hell yeah. You are we haven't gotten it yet, so we'll see. But <laughs> I, I, was, I was so excited. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm half German, so I, I, I've, I've watched a lot of football in the past. And... Um, and and now as well, I'm I'm a I'm a big Borussia Dortmund fan. Uh, also watch most of CF Montreal's games, uh, so I, I've always loved the sport. Uh, but that was I've watched I've watched a lot of games in my life, but that was probably the definitely it was definitely the greatest football game I've ever watched. And I'm saying football for both sports, like both like I've watched a lot of CFL as well, but that was the greatest football all encompassing term game I've ever watched, and so, yeah. possibly the greatest. Sporting event I've ever watched in my lifetime, and uh, I have considering two that's on the game, I watch way too much sports, so that that's really saying something. One, Lionel Messi and Marty Saint Louis could literally be fraternal, like identical twins. No, they don't. No, they look they're they look very short. alike, that's... and they're the same no. size. No. Like their faces no. are similar. No, two, no, is it too early to think that Mbappe can become the next goat? Because yes. like a hat trick, yes. twenty three years I don't old. Care. No, Messi. How many Ballon d'Ors by the time he's twenty three? Three. No. He won three. Exactly. Uh, no, I, I. Little boy from Rosario. Honestly, look, I, I, 
I've always been in the mind that Messi's the greatest player to ever play the game. Uh, but this really entrenched it uh, for basically everyone. And also, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. If, nine. Like it's so right. It's a, it's a cute, it's a cute love story from their hometown. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I was, I was so excited and it was just the most dramatic game, right? Like it was just this, this dominant start for Argentina all the way through the 80th minute. And then Nicholas automatically decided to, you know what, let's risk everything by just putting myself in the worst possible position and then making the necessary foul in the penalty box. And then they can see the penalty. And then Mbappe scores again, like two minutes later. And then they almost lose in regulation. <laughs> he scored an 80 and 81. Yep. It was wild. 90 it was seconds a, apart. And, and the second goal was beautiful. That that volley was was a thing of beauty. But how about but Messi's was, pass on the second goal, though? I mean, Messi's pass was okay. It was the oh, it was the outside his foot first touch, like insane. Yeah, I, I mean, his was probably like his. I don't know if his. I have to take a closer look at his pass because it was just in the build up, in, in the build up, right? But the because the assist on that goal was from. Noted Argentinian Alexis uh, McAllister. McAllister. Uh, McAllister. Uh, but the, the, the Irish Argentinian with, with Irish roots. But I, it was I funny. leave the game. I leave the game thinking, why can't the NHL have virtual offside reviews? Right? It would solve oh, yeah. like it was so cool. It was like if the dude had like half an inch more ass, it would have been offside. <laughs> Or less ass. His ass was too big. That was the issue. Yeah. It just oh, so it was out. Too many, It was too many squats. Yeah. It was on yeah, that, was, yeah. that was the issue. That, the save and like the last oh, minute on the, the leg. That was twenty third minute. Unbelievable. Yeah. I, I just unreal. realized I have to change this episode from clean to unspecified in our rating section. Well. Hey, uh, it, hey was it, 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 it was for a good cause. It was for a good cause. We had to talk Absolutely about the agree. ass. Uh, but but no, just just an incredible game. I know a lot of people are still iffy on penalties on penalties as a way of, of of ending games. But like for a lot of hockey fans, where it might be more contentious issue with having a penalty shootout, it's a different thing in football. Uh, yes, this yeah. is this is not a thing where where you're playing short shifts and getting a break, right? Like unless you overhaul the rules of football with adding like five or six players to the bench and then allowing like beyond the hundred and twentieth minute of like of like making infinite substitutions, unless you can do that, these players can't run forever, right? Like you know, what? give me five game, five minute three on three overtime. Like by 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 the yeah, but by by the end of the game, right? The last substitution that was made, um, the player who came off for Dybala in the hundred twentieth minute had run already like like fourteen kilometers in the game, right? Like this is it's it's a lot it's a lot of running and a lot of that it's is also it it's, truly is, and 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 there has to be some kind of end to it. And honestly, like yes, it is a bit of a guessing game with the penalty with penalties. But I mean, Argentina end, had a had an aggressive penalties win. It was an aggressive penalties win, but it's also mental fortitude, right? And 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 you saw it with uh, Harry with Kane. Harry, I mean, I mean, again, Harry Kane scored his first one at least right but it, it, it really is a thing of, of mental fortitude of yes the goalie's guessing the shooter's guessing but you have to be so composed to get it done and in the end typically the more composed team wins it and i think there are far worse measures to decide a game than which team is more composed when it matters most but it was all in all just an epic game i was 
I was watching it with my three housemates and we were just like yelling and screaming our heads off and didn't feel bad about it because it was like it was like noon on on a Sunday. So I was like, yeah, sure, we're, we're going to scream. Why not? Uh, but it was it was a blast. And uh, just 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 seeing Messi get the 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 final thing to to, 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 to I guess, finish off a glorious career was just a crown jewel. Point. Really is he is. supposed to be coming to Miami. Yeah, honestly, if I were him, I'd just be retiring right now because he's won everything. No, he said he's playing for Argentina again. He really at the uh, post game. Why? I feel like he's that's like, like I, where you I'm probably. End. He's like, I'm probably never going to play another World Cup, but I, I'm going to represent Argentina again. Okay, that, that that's 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 sweet. That's like another yeah, reason, still representing an, another. Public. Another reason I'm 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 almost like relieved that that Messi won is uh, this way. My team, Germany, is not painted as like villains for the rest of time for being the team that kept Messi from winning his World Cup back in 2014. 2014. I, I I cheered so so hard as well when when Germany won that that game. The Mario Götze goal is beautiful. Uh, but if, if that were the one reason that Messi were not regarded as the greatest player of all time, that would also sting a little bit. But this way, it's all done. Uh, and. Yeah, I think on that note, we can shift it back to hockey unless there are any closing remarks on the World Cup from you but boys. Could I just say, every time I watch the World Cup, I just get so giddy listening to the commentators. There's, uh, Peter they're, Drury is incredible. Like, like, can we replace Jack Edwards with one of these guys? Oh my god. Oh. Fire Jack Edwards into the proverbial sun. Uh, that, uh, yeah. Like, can we not have misogynistic comments on our broadcast, please? Misogynistic, fat phobic, he's, yeah. He's, like, um, he's just the worst dude. He's awful. And he's, but just he so many lines. Drunk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry, Josh. Yeah, so many lines are just burned into my head from watching soccer. And this year, like, they open the game by saying Killian Mbappe is prowling at the foothills of greatness. Like, come on. Yeah. This is just, it's it's. it's it's like an epic poem, right? Like the, the, the and even in the just tremendous group rounds, it yeah. maybe could sell it as the biggest. I mean, it is the biggest sporting event in the world, but they it is hundred percent. And every time I hear like great American calls, football or hockey or it pales baseball, in basketball. Like, can you just imagine? Nowhere close. And and things even like, like we are we are hyping up. English football commentary. Let's talk about Argentinian football commentary. Oh, yeah. goal. Ha- have you guys like like I heard the passion? Didn't they when when they Messi just, like, comparing Messi time? to God? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. Why, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? Like, he's, he's the best like, player you're, to ever play. You're you're watching hockey and they're like Mike Hoffman. He's defying all the odds. Still out there. Thirty two <laughs> years old. What a tremendous goal uh, on this play. Uh, on another note, here's another thing, another replay. Uh, and then in, in, in football, it's either the most poetic English commentary or we get the pure passion in just, Spanish. Just beautiful. I, like the, I, again, hockey is my, is my favorite sport. Uh, obviously, like we have this podcast, but damn, I, I love, I love football. I, I, I adore that sport, and uh, was there, there go, the point my German team once again? <laughs> the the puck just... and roll podcast premium. So I'll say football for Sebastian's sake. 
Ah, uh, just premium call it's in the contract of being German. I have to call it football. Oh, the Germans will always give me that seven-one Brazil. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that was epic. Forever. That was epic, <laughs> especially because at halftime Germany was leading five to nil, and the coach literally went to the players and said, "Like we are embarrassing them. Stop st- scoring goals." But one of the players that was, I think he subbed on at halftime. Uh, Andre Schurle, uh was in the bathroom at the time, didn't hear, and then he scored the next two goals because he didn't hear the, the assignment of not scoring more. And he was, like, really busting his ass to score more goals. So, uh, uh, yeah, good, the, good, the good old days when Germany made out of the group stages. <laughs> Ooh, uh, at yeah. least your team made it into the tournament. So, yeah, Italy uh, at all. Italy did not, indeed. Uh, but yes, European uh, on, champions. They are still European champions who couldn't qualify. Oh, hang our hat on that. <laughs> and that concludes this episode of the Puck and Roll podcast. This is part one of our, uh, what is kind of becoming a tradition on this podcast of, of releasing two per week. Uh, which is honestly just because of the new, the new format uh, that we are going for, which is keeping our episodes to just under an hour in length. Uh, so this will be it for today, but there will be another podcast released uh, hopefully tomorrow. And uh, we will see you again then. Oh